0: And now,
1: weighing in, out of the blue
0: corner, John the
1: the 100%. And on the other side, he weighs in. in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Nice.
0: Well, here we are once again, the Weighing In podcast, the greatest podcast on the planet. No doubt about it. When you're talking about combat sports, you are listening to the best. Yeah, that's me saying it. Yep, I like it. Sounds good. <laughs> We're going to talk about the PFL. We got Rory McDonald versus Ray Cooper the Third. Almost could be a Robbie Lawler look-alike rematch for Rory McDonald. And then we've got the championship fight for Bellator. Gegard, the dream catcher, Musashi, against John Salter. That's a hell of a matchup. Cannot wait to watch Gegard once again. 57 fights. The dude is amazing. Josh Thompson, what is up, my man?
1: We also got some special guests that joined the show for a little bit. So we're going to go ahead and talk to them as well as the show goes on. And I'm pumped. I'm actually pumped for this week. To see Gegard getting on and, uh, John Saltz is a stud, man. He's an absolute stud. So, and then of course I'm a huge fan of Ray Cooper and Roy McDonald. So watching those two it down should be a great fight. I'm looking forward to talking about that as well. So, uh, but first, I want you guys to go to our clips channel. If you guys don't know where our clips channel is, go to our normal channel. That's where you're probably watching this right now and go down to the link and the link down there will take you to our clips channel. Hit the subscribe button there. We are doing a special show there called Wayne interjection where John and I have fun going back and forth, just talking smack to each other and about current MMA events and news that we talk about on there. So Go ahead and go down to that link, hit that link, takes you to our Clips channel, hit the subscribe button there, and as well as the like button, you can also hit that little bell too, so you know when we drop that show. We drop it at least right now, one time a week, it's fun, it's quick, it's about 8 to 15 minutes long, nothing longer than 15 minutes, so if you got short time, you want to kill some time, check out our Wayne Interjection show. Also, our YouTube channel is growing, it's getting bigger, and hopefully you guys hit that little uh bell there as well, because I see a lot of people hitting me up in my DMs, Don't DM me asking me what time, when's the show dropping? Don't do that. Hit the bell. Guess what? Just hit the bell. The bell will do that for you. Okay? I got a whole, like, side thing of DMs, the ones, like, where I'm not following you, and they go in that little extra booth in the right corner or whatever, and (laughs) I click on there, and it all says, when's the show dropping? How come the podcast is not out? Did it come yet? I haven't seen it. Well, guess what? If you hit the little bell, that'll take you right to the notification. Notifications will drop and hit right on your phone to let you know when we drop all of our shows, whether it's Wayne Interjection or if it's this show right here. So, all right, well, hey, let's get on it. Let's get to it, and uh, let's talk about it. John, what you got? I want to talk about the PFL since they got Rory McDonald,
0: who is coming off a tough loss going into their playoff rounds against Ray Cooper. I look at this as almost like a a replay of, you know, when Rory and Robbie Lawler were were going at it. And I think Ray Cooper at this point is better than Robbie Lawler You know, if you're talking about uh, power right now, he's right there with Robbie Speed. I think he's faster, Uh, probably better wrestling right now. I think he's going to be a handful for Rory McDonald. I think this is a tough fight. Rory's got to be very smart in how he approaches what he's going to do in this fight against Ray Cooper.
1: Yeah, I think fight IQ is definitely it favors Rory. It's a matter yep. of whether he can get it done or not. Um, he's having to deal with guys that are extremely strong, whether it was Douglas Lima, Gleason t you know, and then now Ray Cooper, you know, the third, like he's, these guys are brutally strong, man. And Roy McDonald has never been a really strong person. He's been a technician and his technique because of a lot of the injuries has been suffering a little bit and in terms of like his technique is just not. It's good. It's great. But the strength and the technique together just don't, they don't, they're not working well right now for him to get the stuff, get the fight where he needs it to get. And so he had a hard time with Gleason Tebow, but I still had him winning that fight, by Uh, the way. Oh, so did I. So I I didn't have him losing that fight. He should have won that fight. I think it was a horrible decision. Um, And I wouldn't even say it was close. I thought it was a horrible decision. And so this fight though is different. This fight is different because Ray Cooper is one of those guys that if you cannot take him down, he will knock your head off. You know, like you said, he has that Robbie Lawler feel to him. You know, he's a gunslinger. His dad was a gunslinger. You know, he doesn't really kick a whole lot, but he's got good boxing. He's got good wrestling. He's got better wrestling than his dad did. And so he can stuff takedowns. But but Roy McDonald's smart. If he can get to the takedown, maybe pull a half guard, try and get to the top position from there. Something along those lines could potentially work for him. He's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. Roy McDonald does. But Ray Cooper is the real deal. He's a stud. And it's going to be a really, really tough fight. For McDonald.
0: Yeah, the big thing is, in my opinion, Rory, obviously, if Rory gets this fight to the ground, is in the top position, he can be devastating there, and he could give Ray yeah. a ton of problems. But, Ray needs to make mistakes, in my opinion, for Rory to be able to get that fight to the ground. He needs to overextend, he needs to get himself out of position, out of balance, based upon trying to hit Rory too hard. He needs to just go in there and think about just touch I want to touch him. Every time I touch him, it's going to be just another just dent in the side of that vehicle. And I'm just going to keep on putting dents till that thing becomes a junker. That's the way you want to do it. Don't try to knock his block off from the very beginning. You do that, you're going to put yourself in a position where he's going to take advantage of that mistake. And he's going to get in the top position. So I think it's a very, very close fight. It's, you know, I could understand why people would think that Rory would be the favorite in this. I'm not too sure that he is. It's a very even fight, in my opinion.
1: I would favor Roy only because of the the level of competition he's had to face. That would pretty much be about it. I would also say the technique. So the technique and the level of competition he's had to face. He's had to fight guys that are very similar to, to Ray Cooper. But it just so happened to be that those guys were some of his toughest fights. Yep. And so when you're talking about that, and now that he's getting a little bit older and he has taken a ton of damage, he still has all the technique. He's still a dog in there. He still will be willing to throw down. But he just doesn't want to do that with Ray Cooper. You have that young guy. It's almost, I mean, it's, it's like that, that the John Jones. I'm not saying that Ray Cooper's John Jones. I'm saying that it's the young stud that's coming up, the young lion's coming up. Now he's faced a lot of top level guys and now he's ready to start stepping into the big, big level guys. And Roy McDonald is that next step for him. I think he's got a really good chance, especially if he starts throwing that calf kick. I think because Rory has had some problems with that lead leg after the Lima fight, as well as his nose, I believe he's got like one of those like, uh fake uh bridges for his nose he's got some issues so he's had some problems in the past you know after all the damage he's taken so if uh this is this is gonna be a tough fight for him a really tough fight for him so i wish both of them luck but roy's got his hands full yeah he
0: does but it's gonna be a good fight i mean it'll be fun to watch um the uh the go ahead go on man
1: Listen. Honestly, there hasn't been another guy that on the PFL that I've really been super excited to watch, except for Clay Collard after coming off of his dominant or not, I wouldn't say his dominant, but it was a really good fight against Anthony Pettis. Yeah. He he showed the world that he was a top level guy in that fight when he fought him. He just picked uh Anthony Pettis apart, hit the body, ripped the body, did a lot of good stuff, dropped Anthony. Anthony came on strong, I believe, in the third it was, yep. you know, was able to to do some good stuff as well, but but by then it was a little bit too late. And but Clay Collar proved that he's he's a tough he's a tough uh, dog. So I was I'm pumped to watch him fight at all at all costs at every turn. He's going to be an absolute joy to watch.
0: Clay Collard the, he does certain things as far as basics when you're talking about with his hands because he's he's a up fighter. But you talk about a guy that consistently finishes going to the body, left hook to the body all the time. You know, you've got to be prepared for it. Now the, his opponent is a guy that also faced. Anthony Pettis and got a win in Roush Manfield. But I'm not too sure that he wants to be on the feet very long with Clay, but he does have the ability to get it to the ground. And if he gets it to the ground, he has, a, I believe he has a pretty good advantage. Not that Clay's bad down there. He's just not very, uh, as we would say, dangerous. He's not that guy that's mm-hmm. a real submission guy. So he's going to be more into stalling the fight, which allows the time to go by. And if you're getting beat up, you know, from that, you know, someone on the top position, Now you're losing the fight, even though you haven't really been damaged. So he's got to be very careful in not allowing himself to be put on his back uh, to get this win against Manfio.
1: What other fights on this card excite you, John? Ah, you know, (laughs) I go back
0: and I want to see how Gleason Tebow comes out and fights against Curtis Millinder. Curtis is just not fighting smart in any fashion way shape or form he's got a lot of talent he's super long he's way longer taller he's faster than tebow he's got all these advantages except the ground and if tebow decides to be smart and take the fight to the ground he's got a great advantage over curtis in that area this is why i want to see gleason tebow i'm not too Uh, sure he's going to take the fight to the ground (laughs)
1: I think he will. I think he'll take the fight directly to the ground. I think right off the bat he's going to come out, throw a couple hard shots, get the easy takedown. Once he gets to the top position, I could see a finish. Oh yeah. I just yeah. I just Curtis hasn't had, like you said, he hasn't been fighting smart lately. But also when he gets to the bottom, he just hangs out there, and that's not where you want to be. You got to focus on really making an effort to get to your feet, especially against someone like Bao who has, who's physically just dominant and strong. I want to say it was uh, Sabah Humasi who was able to take Melender down, right? Yep. And was able to get, get several takedowns in that fight. And that's what one of, ended up winning the fight was all the control and the takedowns and some damage he did on top as well. But if he can do it in terms of wrestling, because Sabah likes to stand. Don't get me wrong, he's a very well-rounded fighter. But Gleason Tebow, he's super strong, got good, got good takedowns, and just a dominant top position fighter as well. So yeah. I would imagine that he should be taking the smart route and taking this fight to the ground. But we'll see. Yeah, it'll be
0: interesting. You know, um, There's also one, if you're going to take a look at it, Brett Cooper. A lot of people don't remember. Brett has been fighting for a long time. He is a, just a tough stud. He's fought everywhere. And he's fought in, you know, Bellator. He's fought in AC, ACB. He's been all over the world fighting. And he's just a gamer. He's fighting Tyler Hill. That actually is, it's one of those ones. Neither guy's got the greatest record. You know, take a look at, you know, Brett Cooper, twenty-seven and fifteen, a lot of fights, and a lot of those are th- decisions that he lost. That you go, he might not have lost that, but <laughs> um, he's fought really tough all over the place. And Tyler Hill is—he's got a good stand-up game. He's tough as hell. He likes to uh, use his jujitsu. He's got—he's got a long frame, so he, he wraps up Darces and things. I actually think it's gonna—that was gonna be a fun fight to watch
1: all right all right what i mean hey so the pfl is it on thursday or friday friday it's on friday so friday it'll be 13th. heads up with it'll, it'll be heads up with us huh uh,
0: yeah well one's on a all premium right. channel and one's on espn so yeah, yeah people have to
1: pay for a channel on one and have to just watch
0: on a channel on the other
1: hey chip but there i, I believe that that main event's gonna be a tough fight it's gonna be a fun fight to watch as well Ray Cooper's yeah. a stud remember he's knocked out uh jake shields twice he's also had a couple of big knockouts over some other guys as well so he's a he's a dog and rory's got his hands full so it should be a good fight all right let's get into bellator do it dude uh let's wait let's work our way from the middle of the card or wherever there we think is somebody's going to be a tough fight you want to scroll down to the the middle there I'll just let's, see, let, let's scroll down I mean, to the bottom and see if there's any fights off the bottom that we is there anything in the in the <laughs> prelim area that didn't excite you there john uh,
0: excites? I don't know about Excites.
1: Danny Sabatello. There you excites go. That's, me. That, that, that's, I don't give that's
0: a shit at the who you are. Johnny I know, Campbell. Johnny He's- Cupcakes Campbell. Awesome. Think of that because he was fun to watch. He had the fight oh, yeah. against Henry Corrales where he was just throwing bombs the entire yeah. time and just walking forward. And no one walks forward on Henry Corrales. No, and he, he just kept coming after him and put Henry away in that. Just. I, I just think that's going to be an, a fun fight.
1: Danny is a stud wrestler. I think he wrestled out of Purdue, Purdue correct? Yep. Yeah, he was out of Purdue. He's a stud wrestler. He, came, he took a fight. His uh, debut was on short notice. And uh, he came in, had a dominant performance over uh, Johns, right? Um, God, what was his last? Uh, it was... Uh, Johns. God, Brett Brent Johns. Brett Johns. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to... The first name escaped me. Yeah, he came in, had a great performance after, the, the, after a short notice... Invitation to hey, the tour. Took,
0: took it like ten days.
1: Yeah, that was that was it, was. it was. I was checking him out. I'm like, okay, let me look him up. Let me see. You know what he's done. That he has great record. He's you know eleven and one. I'm like, okay, let me see. I watched the highlights of him. I'm like, I don't think Brett John's going to beat this guy.
0: Yeah, we Unless talked about. Unless he makes it. a
1: mistake. Yeah, we you and I about it. were talking about. It, but I reached out to you. I'm like. Is he, is he is he that good? Like and you're like no, he's good. And I'm like, cause he looks good on all these other cards, but these I don't know how good the level of competition is he's facing. And so when I started watching, I'm like, man, this guy can wrestle. He's quick. He's got a quick double leg. He can. His transitions are good. He's on top, nasty. I'm like, all right, okay, I can see this. This is going to be a fun fight. I'm glad this is this will be headlining our uh our prelims.
0: Yeah, this is good stuff. If Johnny Campbell fights in any fashion like he did against. Henry Corrales and Danny fights in any way that like he fought against Brett. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a fun fight. This is going to be. I'd love. I'm a Johnny Cupcakes Campbell fan now after what he did (laughs) because he would get hit, just start talking. That ain't shit. And walk forward and go again. (laughs) I was like, wow, that ain't Uh, shit, man. You're pretty goddamn crazy. I liked it. It was fun. All right. Ty Gwerder coming back against. Now this is a tough one, man. Kazmirat Bestev, Okay. Talk to me, John. Well, look at Bestev is about six foot six. He used to fight in light heavyweights. That's where I've seen him fight, and yeah. uh, he's very tall. He's actually got decent wrestling. He uh, gets into a body lock. He he's, he'll sweep the legs out. He'll you know, use an inside trip, outside trip at times. He does a lot of good work on top. On his back. Not too sure about you know everything is is as comfortable as being that top position fighter, you know more of holding down, slowing the fight down, but really it's about Ty Gwerder and being on the feet and being elusive on the feet and using his speed because I do believe he's the faster fighter by a lot in this and if he can use his speed and use his footwork to get in and out in this type of fight he can do well the real question is you know the people that end up you know beating ty usually take him off his feet and put him on his back you know if yeah. ty can keep that from happening he's going to get a win if he can't keep that from happening he's probably going to end up with a loss
1: yeah that's the thing with ty quarter he's got to learn if he does get taken down getting back to his feet he's got to be make sure that's a focus to get back to his feet he's good on the feet but he also sometimes tennessee just kind of like Let's the fight develop in front of them instead of getting after it. And that's not something you want to do with someone who can wrestle. If you're waiting on them to go, okay, with the striking, you're being defensive and then waiting on the takedown, that's not, that's not a good way. It's not a good recipe to win a fight. Yeah. So we'll see. And then, look, can you click on uh, Gordon there, podcast, Dave? His last fight was against Dalton Rasta. Who yeah, yeah. Took him came off, off his feet. Yep. That's how he got the yeah, win. Yeah, yeah. Scroll, scroll win. down again though. He, yeah, he had. Yeah. Okay, I was gonna say I knew he had a win somewhere in the middle of there. Yeah, because I remember he lost to uh, Joseph Creer, and then had a, and then he fought uh, Tokos. Yep. Okay. Okay. Mike LFA. Okay. Yeah, he's uh you know he he's he's got all the skills. Just a matter of whether he can live up to it, John. Yeah, it really you is. You know, you gotta be like those guys. Got to believe in themselves when they're throwing their combinations, and sometimes he settled in on the bottom. You just can't do that. You've got to make the focus to get up to your feet and and get back on to throwing stuff. And then when he got to his feet, he wasn't he wasn't uh, active enough to really steal the rounds or win the rounds. You got to throw stuff that makes that leaves that lasting impression in the judges' minds. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, Pam Sorensen versus Roberto. No, Samar. no, no, that's not part oh, of no? the main card.
0: Davion Franklin. All right, against Everett Cummings. This is one. Got it. This is a. I like Davion Franklin he comes out, you know, out of Jackson Wink. This is a, this is the second guy to get the uh, scholarship from Jackson Wink. Uh, mm-hmm. he's got all the tools in the world cause he's super athletic. He's fast. He's powerful. He's strong. And if you go and you watch Everett Cummings, Everett Cummings is undefeated, but I'm going to tell you straight out. He try. he's always looking for the takedown. He tries a big looping right hand to try to go into a double leg or get into a body lock. Um, but he has not fought. And the real thing is, you look at him; he's sixteen and zero. While da- Davion Franklin is three and zero. But got it. In my opinion, Everett has not fought anybody that is the caliber of Davion Franklin, and so it's not that all that experience is going to do that much for him. Davion Franklin's way stronger, way faster, hits harder than anybody Everett has ever faced in a cage.
1: Yeah, here's the thing. I want to know why R. Franklin is a damn fighter. Why is he not in the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to know. He's one of those guys. You know, you look at him, you're like, look, he's built like a truck. He's super, uh, super aggressive. He's built athletic. like Lorenzo Neal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very true. Very true. I didn't even think about that. Yep. Yeah, Lorenzo Neal is a stud, man. Lorenzo's I think a little bit shorter than might Gabriel, be though. Yeah, I think fr- I've been friends with, with Lorenzo for a while. Yeah, he's uh, he's not that tall, <laughs> but he's. He's a brick shithouse house. Yeah, he is, is what he is. Um, yeah, but uh, I guess we're gonna see, man. Look, Damian Franklin is—he's a stud. Obviously, when you're training with guys out of Jackson Wink and they're investing time and money and energy into you the way that they are him, yeah. that means that you're special. Yep. And so, if you're special, then you should be prepared to fight someone who's fifteen and zero. So it should be it should be one of those fights where you should potentially get him out of there, but this is going to be a tough challenge for him. And I agree with you, Ever Cummins has never fought someone like Davion Franklin when it no, comes to athleticism, not at all. So it should make for a fun fight. Yep. Now you're going to get into um, the fights
0: that are that are the fights I'm looking forward to. Magomed mm-hmm. Magomedov against Rafian Stots. This is one man. Anything can happen in this one.
1: how is this not the co-main event? I don't know. I, and look, I'm not complaining about Sabah Hamasi and Korshkov being the co-main. I'm not yeah. complaining about that at all. I just feel like, look, these two guys, basically the winner of this is probably fighting for the title next. The winner of Sabah and Korshkov is not fighting for the title next. I agree with you. You know, there might be a slim chance that Korshkov could, but it won't be Sabah. I mean, Sabah's got to make his way back after his loss to to Daly. Yep. But fuck, that was a great fight. It was a great <laughs> fight. Fuck, that it was that, that great. fight's up for fight of, of the
0: year on... Uh, on fighters only, so
1: yeah, it that reminded great. me of um, of uh, Nick Diaz and Paul Daly. Very exactly. s- kind of a similar type of feel to it. Yep. Um, look, Rafyanshtats and Magomed Magomedov. Let's. I want to remind everyone, Magomed Magomedov is the only guy to beat Peter Yan. I know people were talking about uh, Aljo. Uh, I don't consider that a win. It's, it's like one of those gimme fights, you know. Um, it, it, look, it was illegal. Really only, I'm not disagreeing with that, you guys. No, so, it Before was. you guys get into the comment session and get all pissed off. Okay, I understand what you're saying, but that's like technically to me, that's not really a win. And I understand it went in the win column, and he won the title, and he got the title. But I'm talking about really got beat. So Magomed's the only guy to beat Peter Yan. Peter Jan's the only guy to beat Magomed. So this should make for a great fight because Rafyanshtas is also 16 and one, and he's a stud as well. Great wrestling, good stand up. You know, good submission. He's gonna have his hands full though. He's gonna have his hands full though with uh with Magomed Magomedov. The the level of wrestling will be the difference. And whether Rafian can get back to his feet, that's the other thing. So that's going to be kind of the control factor. You're going to have that dagestani style control from the top, that you know, like that Khabib style type control from the top. It's going to be hard to beat. And Rafian's got to be very careful um, on positioning because of the submissions as well. So there's a lot of things that favor Rafian in this um, in this fight with the stand up. If he can keep it on the feet, he's definitely. I don't know how much and how long he can.
0: He's definitely faster than Magomed. He's got yeah. the speed advantage in it. I think he's actually got the reach advantage, the length advantage in it, because he's actually got you know broad shoulders, long arms. But it is exactly what you're saying. The pace. Rafion's got good. He's got good cardio. He doesn't get tired. He's able to, to run a pace. But can he do that for all these rounds against someone that is going to be working to take him down? Because it's normally... Rafian is the guy leading whether the fight's going to be on the feet or on the ground. Now it's going to be somebody else
1: yeah 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 it's usually him on top controlling where the fight goes and yep. i don't know if that's going to be the case in this situation Might not be. so Might not be. <clears throat> yeah it's going to be we're going to see some good scrambles we're going to see a lot of uh transitions you're going to see two little ferrets probably rolling around on the ground and whether rafian can get back to his feet or not and start letting some hands go the one thing that kind of concerns me is that if he is able to get back to his feet will he be very how hesitant will he be to let his hands and his kicks go knowing be. that if he gets taken down again it's a lot more it's a lot of work to get back up to your feet but he can't be so i'll he can't be. He's got to let his stuff go if he wants to get the win. He can't just get back to his feet and then and then hesitate. Yep. It's, going be a hard, it's going to be a hard fought fight for him if he does he's that. It's going to be
0: like two pissed off hamsters going after it. Awesome.
1: <laughs> and the Andre co-main
0: event will Korshkov be... versus Homasi, as you have already said. I, you know, Homasi's got power in his hands, always has. And he's a guy that will come for it, but at least over, you know, he had the fight as you were talking about with Curtis and he fought really smart. He he got takedowns and he, and he used his ground game and he's got a good ground game. As far as the top position, he can maintain that he can do some damage you know, with his ground and pound, but Korshkov can wrestle. And I don't know if Homasi can get him to the ground and definitely not as easily as he was able to get Curtis down. And then the other question is technically in the standup Korshkov is nasty. is a good stand-up fighter. He's technically a cleaner stand-up fighter than Homasi. He may not possess all the power, even though he does possess good power. He's got a beautiful spinning back kick. He uses it all the time. He's got a nice side kick. He's got all the tools. The guy is just remarkably calm inside the cage, too. So This is going to be a tough fight for Homasi, but Homasi has the power, and he has the, the attitude where he could get the win, but he's definitely gonna to have to work his butt off for it.
1: Yeah, he's a stud. Korshkov is a stud. He's someone that also he's also seems kind of big for the weight. He's got a kind of that long, lanky body style. He can wrestle as we saw against Douglas Lima. He was able to take Douglas Lima down pretty much at will until he got gassed himself out. And um, you know, and I don't know if hamasi has got good enough wrestling to continue to take him down. And even on the feet, it's going to be a very tough fight for Hamasi because Korshkov. You know he's not he's not the most he's not he's not the most dynamic fighter on the feet, but he does have some tricks up his sleeves. Okay, and let's not forget when he was fighting Lima, I believe it was the third time. No, the second time. Sorry, the second time. He um he had he'd rocked Lima a couple times and got Lima to step back, and that's what led him into getting knocked out. Yep, is you know he just kind of got careless and started throwing heavy yeah, he, hands he, he and then started Lima opening up to, back get, and- to get rid of Lima. Yep. And then Lemuth just sat back on that, that back foot and just threw the, the left hook and knocked him out. So brutal, uh, brutal situation, but he's good. I want to remind people what Korshkov did to Benson Henderson. I mean, he just destroyed Benson when Benson first came in. That was Benson's first fight in Bellator and he just destroyed Benson Henderson. It was, it wasn't even close. It was one of the nastiest fights I've ever seen. Just flying knees, like just dominating every position, ground and pound, like. Benson had no answer to that fight whatsoever. Yeah. And so, um you know, when you're looking at this fight, Hamasi, he doesn't seem like a big 170-pounder. You know, he's kind of – he reminds me a little bit of a tweener, almost like someone who should be fighting at 165, not 170, like but a little bit too big for 155. He's kind of in that range there. But he's got power. He's obviously got a he, – he's a dog, too. He's someone that will just gunsling it. Korshkov has been proven that, you know, he can't really – he can take a shot – but if you, I mean, anyone can be knocked out, but yeah. Hamasi's got enough power to, to start him. Oh, yes, he does. And, you know, so that, it, I, I, I'm I looking at probably Korshkov trying to get a takedown or two in the first round. But, uh, and then in the second round, maybe open it up a little bit more on the feet as Hamasi tends to get a little bit tired, as he did with yep. uh, Paul Daly. Yep. He blew his wad trying to get Daly out of there, and he had no answer for it. Yep. Daly ended up basically just weathering Surviving. the storm. Surviving and finished the round stronger than uh, Homasi did at the end of the first, and then yeah. came out in the third and the second, and came out and was able to finish the fight. But yeah, it's just like, homasi has got to fight smart. If he does rock him, he's got to make sure he pick his, picks and chooses his shots very well because Korshkov is is someone who normally comes in shape. Yeah,
2: absolutely. You know, he just
1: wasn't able to wasn't able to wrestle for five hard rounds against Douglas Lima because Douglas Lima made him work for it. But yeah, we're gonna see. I think it's gonna be a fun fight. You know, I would have liked to have seen Stotts and uh, Magomedov. In the co-main. But look, honestly, this is probably one of those lead-up fights where someone's going to get knocked out, so I can understand it. Yep, I think that's the way they're looking at it. But let's talk about the main event. The main event is Gegard Musasi versus John Salter. But first, we're going to talk about John Salter, and we're going to break him down, talk about his areas of expertise and what he does well, and uh, we'll go on from there.
0: John? Let's let's just be honest. John Salter comes from a wrestling background. He's been, you know, he he was in Strike Force. He was... Uh, in the ufc um, kind of young in his career when he was there but he's got a a uh, it's it's a meshed system with wrestling and jujitsu. he does things differently he's intertwined both styles and made it basically his own he calls it salty dog <laughs> Jujitsu. jitsu i love you he know, has got the greatest commercials in the world for his place too this guy's being thrown across the room at Salty Dog Jiu Jitsu. We care about our white belts. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's true. He, uh, he really has embraced bringing his own style into it. So, what he does is a little bit different. You can go back and look at him. You know, when he came into Bellator, he got a nice win. Then he, they put him right away against Brandon Halsey, who was coming off of a loss as the middleweight champion. And Man, John Salter just lit Brandon Halsey up in that fight, both on the feet, on the ground. It was a bloody mess, none of it being John Salter's. And yeah. he finished a guy in, you know, Brandon Halsey, who was very strong, very tough guy, you know, and has proved himself throughout. He's only been to a decision one time in his entire career. Every fight has been a stoppage, other than his fight against Costello Van Stinas where it went the three rounds. Mm-hmm. So this guy finished his fights, and he finished his fights because his style of jiu-jitsu is different. His wrestling is good. He uses a different style of jiu-jitsu. People are not used to it. They get caught by him. He, he ends up getting their back. He's great with his chokes. He does a great job of hiding his hands with him. I, I love John Salter, and he is someone, if you are not prepared to think about when he fought you know, Lovato Jr., they were both coming into that, both undefeated at Bellator in the middleweight division, and that was the only time that John Salter has lost in Bellator in all of his fights. And he was winning that fight; he just made a mistake in the third round and ended up giving his back, which was not a good thing against Lovato. And Lovato was able to end the fight.
1: Yeah, yeah, he he's got good he's got good jiu jitsu, but he doesn't have Lovato Junior jiu jitsu, and that's yeah. that's the difference. And he's got good enough wrestling to stuff all of Lovato Junior's takedowns except for one. And so, and that's all it took. And so that really just came down to look, when I look at this fight with John Salter against Gegard, he's going to have to do exactly what Lovato Jr. did to Gegard to get the win and to, get the, and to win the title. He's going to have to wrestle him. He's going to have to get him down. He's going to control the top position. And he's going to have to, he's, but he's going to have to do something even, even more. He's going to have to attack. He's going to have to get, he's going to have to cause damage. Like Lovato Jr. got to the top. He had him, he had Gayguard mounted, but he wasn't able to commit a whole lot of damage to Gegard. You know, and the one thing he's going to have to do is either create damage or he's going to have to get the finish. And so you have to work really uh, strenuous to get that submission. Gegard is one of those guys. I just it's going to be super hard to finish him, whether it's from strikes or whether it's from submission. And so when he gets on top, he's going to have to make sure that he's doing enough damage to where Gegard's having a hard time keeping up for every round. It's a five round fight being for the title. So Gegard's going to have – he's going to have to cause enough damage that Gegard's got cuts and blood and things that these other things he has to worry about besides his opponent going in from one round to the next. And if he does that, I think he can have a, a somewhat of a successful night. It's a tough task, you know, because Gegard's no slouch on the ground himself. No. So we had an opportunity, right, John, uh, really to sit down and talk with some of these guys. And I guess first we should just say, hey, we had a chance to talk with John Salter, so we're going to go ahead and uh, – Introduce him, man. John Salter. Here you are.
0: John Salter. Everyone, enjoy because this guy is special. Well, we are lucky enough to have the guy, the man that is going to be going after the middleweight strap at Bellator 264. John Salter, thank you for coming on the Weighing In podcast. You are part of Bellator 264, a main event that should prove just how good you are going against Gegard Musasi who defends his belt against you and all of those submissions that you come to attack your opponent with. Talk to me about how you're feeling for this fight. I feel great.
3: Put in a long camp. I've known this is coming for a while, so I've been prepping for it for a while. And uh, I can't imagine it going any better. Uh, Feel good. Weight's right. Um, Everything's where it needs to be right now.
1: You were telling me that your weight's on point, like you just said. You said you're within 11. You're going to bed around 11, waking up probably, you know, a couple pounds, you know, say 10 to pounds over. Um, how was the, you said, how was the How was your the training for this as well as the diet and nutrition throughout your camp?
3: Um, I've really picked up the cardio a lot, obviously being a five-round fight, I've had issues in the past, um, you know, in the third round of, of fading a little bit, and I can't take a chance on that happening here. Um, so I think that's helped a lot. And then, uh, you know, I, I don't feel like I'm the best weight cutter as far as recovery. I can cut my weight. But I don't feel like I bounce back the way a lot of guys that I wrestled in college with did. So that's why I try to keep a little closer so I don't have that big cut at the end. Um, you know, I'm also a little older. I'm 36. Everybody hits that point when their body just doesn't cut weight the same way. And um, I don't want to take any chances on that affecting me next week.
0: All right, John. We talk about fighters all the time and the fact that, you know, they're not going for the finish in the fight. It's incredible that in your 22 professional fights, you've only gone to the judges scorecards one time. I did that fight. That fight was you against Costello Van Stienis. So do you have a specific mindset about always trying to finish the fight? What is it that sets you in that mode that you do not ever really go to the judges?
3: I think a lot of it is training. You know, when I grapple, I don't let people, you know, my partners get out of a round without submitting them if there's any way possible. I don't just get on top and control. Um, same thing when I'm sparring, you know, I want to try and, and set up my positions where I could potentially finish. Um, you know, I just think that way all the time. And I think the other thing is as I've fought longer and longer, I've gotten a lot better at staying calm and waiting for finishes to bring it you know, to, uh, give me opportunities rather than trying to force it. You know, I think that's where people will make a lot of mistakes is trying to force finishes. And, um, I think I kind of just let it come to me and that's helped a lot as a fought better and better opponents.
1: The two, the, the two of you and gay guard and yourself, you guys have one loss between the two of you guys. And it just so happens to be the same person to Rafael Lovato jr. Who was the former champion. Um, do you take anything away from the fact that from your loss, you were dominating the fight and then made a mistake in the third round that cost you the fight? Whereas gayguard was being dominated for the first three rounds, two and a half rounds, until he was able to kind of get his wits back about him, but then he faded in the fifth round. Do you take anything away from that?
3: Uh, yeah. You know, obviously I want to take that as a positive that, um, you know, coming out fresh, I'm going to be the better fighter. I'm going to put the pressure that, Uh, Lovato was able to put on him because I feel like I was able to do that to uh, Lovato early Um, you know and the other thing that I've I think that Lovato fight was the best thing that ever happened to me because it showed me the dangers of not being prepared late in the fight you know Um, and uh, I think I've really made big strides to make sure that doesn't happen again and uh, you know I get to show that this weekend but ever since they fought I, I felt that fight uh shows that I can win this fight and that i'm the better fighter than uh gayguard is, especially early in the fight,
0: John I know there's all kinds of things that motivate fighters and and when you get this championship fight that's a huge motivator that's that thing that everyone is searching for throughout their career and now you have it, but you also have it right off of the timing of the birth of your first child. What does that mean to you and and talk a little bit about what you're
3: feeling? Uh, you know, it's amazing. Uh, you know, having a daughter has just been great. Yeah, and I know everybody out there with kids just goes, Oh yeah, we know what you're talking about. But until you have one, you know, you don't know. Um, and I think it, it really means a lot, especially later in my career that, you know, everything I do here just sets up my future for, with her, um, after fighting, you know, and, uh, that's, it's kind of, I guess, Uh, made me look forward more to the day when I have more time to spend with her. And that means, you know, these next couple of years, I've really got to win a lot of fights and make sure that, uh, you know, I I can step away from fighting at a time when I can really spend a lot of time with her.
1: You're 36 years old. You had fought Rafael Lovato Jr. You came up short though, but then now do you look at this as like a redemption situation where do you feel like that mentally – you weren't ready then, and then now you're mentally now that this has prepared you enough to go ahead and capture the title now.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I I really needed that loss to Lovato. You know, I moved to Wilmington in 2015, and I was kind of running my own camps. So I had a boxing coach, um, but other than that, you know, I, I pretty much ran everything myself. And you know, coming off that loss to Lovato, seeing what he was doing to prep for fights, really led me to say, I, "I've got to do something different. I can't do this myself anymore." Um, which I should have never thought that was something I could do in the first place. But that's when I got hooked up with Jimmo and Jeff Jimmo here in Charlotte, and um, I think that's really made a difference. And uh, you know, this is definitely my opportunity to go get the title and it couldn't have come at a better time because now I've got the whole team around me that I need.
0: You're talking about you know, that perfect time. And almost, I'm looking at this almost like a legacy fight. When you're fighting a guy like Gegard Mousasi, a guy with so much experience, all the fights that he's had, he's fought at heavyweight, he's fought at light heavyweight. He's the middleweight champion here. He has, you know, so many different titles. What does it mean to you to be able to have this fight against a guy like him?
3: Well, you know, like we said earlier, I've kind of flown under the radar, you know, with 18 wins, 17 finishes. I'm not uh, as well known as I feel like, you know, a lot of people that I'm better than are. So I think this is my opportunity to really show what level I am and to prove that I belong there with the top guys in the world and to be the world champ.
1: So Rafael Lovato Jr. was able to control Gegard with his jiu-jitsu and his top pressure. He had a, kind of a hard time getting him down, but when he did get him down, he mounted him. He was able to do all the things. Your jiu-jitsu is, is right there. It's right underneath or right there with Rafael Lovato Jr. But your wrestling, though, is leaps and bounds better than Rafael Lovato Jr.'s. So does that give you a lot of confidence knowing that Gegard was able to get taken down and dominated from the top position by him knowing that your wrestling is better and the chances of getting that takedown would be a lot more likely? And the top pressure and control that you possess – will definitely play a factor in controlling Gegard on the from the top position. Yeah, I
3: know, you know, styles make fights and, and styles uh, work out, you know, different ways. But I do think that I, I am the better wrestler, um, you know, and that's going to really change the way Gegard's got to fight me. He can't just come after me. Uh, cause he knows I can put him on his back when, when I'm ready and I'm not just a lay and pray wrestler. That's going to hold on to him and not threaten on the ground. And, uh, you know, I'm not a guy that's going to make mistakes and let him stiff arm me off. You know, I'm going to keep the pressure on him, uh, uh, when we're there. So I do think that makes, uh, you know, a big difference for him and the way he's been able to walk a lot of people down. He's not gonna go do that.
0: No, before COVID hit, you had a fight and it was against one of gay teammates. In Costello Vanstinus, and you were able to really control the the position of the fight, the pace of the fight during the first two rounds, and in the third round he was coming on. What did that fight teach you? What did it do for you? In thinking, well, you know what? That's a teammate of Gay I I learned this from that, and it's not going to happen with
3: him. Um, you know, I think at the time I was kind of playing around some different uh types of cardios um and i don't think that it was what worked for me number one i faded bad in that uh third round but another thing that you know a lot of people uh didn't notice in that fight is how hard i got hit about 45 seconds oh into i know i know and uh <laughs> i you know I, the entire fight i was in desperation mode because uh, i got hit so hard in the beginning and um you know that's something that i've got to be more prepared for is getting caught early having to come back and have the legs back under me and um you know another thing that fight really taught me was i'm not a guy that can come in and, you know i used to i train all the time so i used to say okay it takes me six weeks to get in shape for a fight i'm in shape beginning camp, training camp but now you know that fight also taught me taught me i'm not that guy i've got to be the guy that cardios year-round and um so i think you know i learned a lot from that one and i think that's really going to change. Uh, fighter that I am.
1: Well, you said styles make fights and I I couldn't agree with you more, but Costello Vanscinas is nothing like Gegard Mousasi in terms of the way and the, the way that they fight. Their output is completely different. Vanscinas will come forward. He will press the pace. He will try. He will do things that is kind of careless. Whereas Gegard is someone who has been through the ringer. He's fought at heavyweight, light heavyweight. He was the light heavyweight champ for Force. He was the middleweight champ for Bellator. He's fought a lot of the best guys in the world. He fights more of a conservative style fight as we've seen when he fought Douglas Lima. He fought very slow pace. He's very controlled. Now, knowing that the two of them are different, but their teammates, have you taken anything away on how you would fight him versus how you fought Costello Vance. Um,
3: you know, I, I've got to fight my style, number one. And, um, yeah, they're, they're completely different. I don't really even them being teammates take that as, uh, one of them equaling the other or, or having anything in common. Cause they are so different. Um, I did learn a lot from the Costello fight and I think I'm a different fighter because of it, but, um, you know the thing that Gegard does so well is he pulls you into his fight pace and you cannot beat him at his fight pace Um, you know you he does that to so many people and, uh, that's where you see, you know, with, uh, Rory McDonald and, uh, with Douglas Lima, it's almost like they're not fighting back because they're getting sucked into his pace, you know, whereas Costello is just shot out of a cannon every round. Um, but, uh, so that's the thing I got to really focus on in this fight is I've got to fight my pace and not get sucked into guards fight, um, which he seems to do to everybody is just pulling pull them right into what he wants to do.
0: You know, Throughout your career, John, you've always been super respectful to everyone. And so is Gegard. He's incredibly respectful to all of his opponents. As you prepare for the last week before this fight, what, if you have any, what would be your message to Gegard Um,
3: You know, I I don't know that I really have a message for him uh, (laughs) because, you know, we're going to do that in the cage. I think uh, my message to everybody else out there is that I, I belong there. Uh, next Friday night. This isn't just oh, we're given. We need somebody else to fight. This is uh, I've earned this. I've done what it takes. Um, even times when I thought I've had it in the past time, uh, you know, thought I had a title shot in the past and I didn't. Just kept uh, going forward, and now this is the time that I've earned my time to fight for the title. So I just want everybody out there to know that uh, I'm I'm coming to fight, and I'm coming to get that title.
1: You said it yourself. In 18 of your wins, 17 of them have been finishes. And you're 36 years old. Do you look at it like this is potentially your last chance of being a world champion?
3: I think I, I have to look at that uh, every fight that way. This is my last chance to do this, you know? And you never know what's going to happen in the future, but, um, you know, I, I'm guaranteed to get to fight for the title on Friday night. There's no guarantees after that. So, um, you know, everything that I'm doing right now is with the intent that I will never get this opportunity again.
1: John Salter. Well, I'll, go ahead are you are you, Sorry, are you no. done john yeah okay i wanted to ask like do you take what do you when you look at gay what exactly do you see in terms of threats that he potentially possesses in in, in your style of game
3: um obviously you know his jabs we, we can go through everything he does well he jabs so well that jab like keeps people off balance um you know he's uh, all of his striking's crisp. It's long. It's fast. He's good on the ground. He's got a great butterfly guard and getting back up. But I still think the number one thing that he does is pull people into his fight. And um, if you look at him since he's been in Bellator, two people have gone up there and gone after him to win, and that was Lovato and Schlemanko. Everybody else got pulled into his fight, got stuck there just fighting his game, and he just picks them apart, you know, and uh, I can't do that. I've got to go out there to go after him and not let him settle into, um, you know, his uh, rhythm, because once he gets into his rhythm, he's almost unbeatable.
1: There's a lot of people, a lot of critics, you know, media and some critics that were out there basically saying that after he had such a close fight with Douglas Lima, in terms of basically had to be carried out of the cage, that he's kind of losing a step or that he's just not the same fighter in terms of the motivation may not be there. Did you read anything into that?
3: (laughs) No, I mean, uh, it'd be great, but I don't expect it. I expect him (laughs) to come out there um, to, you know, just uh, cement his legacy. I mean... I don't think you, you stop being hungry, uh, just cause you get a title, you know? So, um, I expect the best gay Masasi there's ever been, and I've got to be the best John Salter there's ever been.
0: Well, John, coming into this, you've had 10 wins out of your last 11 fights. You have always put on a show for everyone. We want to thank you for being here on the wing and podcast and the best of luck in your chance to get that middleweight title.
3: Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Good luck, my man. You, man. Thank you. All
0: right, great job by John Salter. It's going to be awesome to watch him at the Mohegan Sun on this Friday, August the 13th, against Gegard Mousasi. John Salter finally getting a chance to go for that middleweight strap, something that he hasn't been given that opportunity for five years now. Now is his time. Let's see if he can do it. What do you think?
1: I guess we're going to see, man. He's got a tough task. The one thing that concerns me about with John Salter is if he doesn't get it cuz he is 36 years old he's going to get another opportunity later on so how much pressure is that putting on him to get the win over somebody like Gegard Musasi? you know Gegard's been around forever man he's fought at heavyweight he's fought it uh, in dream at heavyweight he's fought it he's been the champion at 205 in strike force he's fought at 205 he's been the champion there he's also fought at 85 been the champion there i mean he's a stud he's been everywhere he even talked for a second just for a second though about possibly dropping to 70 cuz he's not a big 85 pounder you know, so he's tall, but he's not really like, you know, he doesn't carry a lot of weight. He stays pretty much lean all year around. So I think stylistically is you don't know until you get there what gay guard you're going to get. That's some it. gay guards are super aggressive and come forward like he was with Rafael Cavallo, where he just came out, got the takedown, dominated the position and had some nasty ground and pound and put the fight away. You know what I mean? That was that was boom, done. And so that one versus the one that came out and fought Shomenko, came out, just kind of like was taking it in stride. And then he ended up getting a huge knot. I believe, I don't know if he broke he his broke orbital. He broke his orbital. Yeah. So his eye swelled. I think it was the end of the first round. Yeah.
0: And after that,
1: round. it was in the first round, but yeah. I think it was towards, was it towards the end? Anyways, it was in the first round and he just, he wasn't able to really fight all that well after that. And you could, people were actually questioning whether he won that fight or not because he had the broken orbital and couldn't see out of that He eye. won the fight. He won the two rounds, the first two rounds. I understand what you're saying. Crazy. I'm just saying what people were saying. I'm, I'm not what talking about it. I, I, didn't, I didn't say it. I said <laughs> what people were saying. And so with Gegard, like you don't know. Sometimes he shows up super motivated, which we um, have had conversations with him about. And he's someone that has all the tools. Great jujitsu. He's got good takedown defense. He's got good uh, takedowns himself. And his stand-up is fucking nasty. It's really good. And, um, you know, he's a very well-rounded fighter and he's not afraid to fight anyone. He has that kind of fade or, or uh, aura about him where he just comes in like, Hey, I'm here to just fight when it's over. I'm done. I walk out of here, calm and collective. I don't know. It makes it hard for someone when you're betting on them to be motivated to bet on him, you know, cause you just don't know which one you're going to get, but he's good. He's talented all the way around. He's been a champion through and through in every, almost every organization he's been in.
0: You're talking about the, uh, the technical prowess of Rory McDonald and how good he is there. Go back and watch the fight with Gagard and, and Rory. When Rory tried to go up, I mean, just was annihilated by Gagard. He didn't touch Gagard in that fight. Gagard yeah. popped Rory's head back with a jab that Rory didn't even see coming, dominated him in the stand-up, dominated him on the ground. You know, That's the kind of fighter that Gegard can be. But it is exactly what you're saying. Is look at Gagard's smart guard will tell you, I fight for money, all right? Smart man, okay? That's why he is where he's at. He's financially set. He has fought a lot of fights. This will be his, what, 57th professional yeah, it's fight? Yeah, his 57th up. fight. All right, and, you know, he's really not received much damage. The most damage he's received, really, in a fight was that fight with Shlomenko with the Broken Orbital. So this is a guy, man, he's got all the skills in the world. His stand-up is just outstanding. It's nasty good. His freaking ground game is way underrated. People do not give this guy the credit he deserves for how good he is on the ground. And that fight against Lovato Jr. showed you, both in his defense and his ability to stay safe against Lovato Jr., and then when he got into the third round and fourth round and was dominating Lovato Jr. on the ground at times, it, it shows exactly how good Gegard can be. The real question is, How motivated is he? Is he going to come into this? He says that he's going to come into this fight and he's going to finish Salter. He goes, I have something to prove. And so when he says that, I kind of believe that he is motivated. And and that's the kind of Gegard Musasa I want to see.
1: Well, there's more stuff that he said as well. So why don't John, why don't you take us to his interview? Because we were able to catch up with him as well uh, this week, talking about his fight with John Salter on this Friday night and Mohegan Sun and Bellator on Showtime.
0: When you're talking about you know some of the all-time greats in MMA, there is no doubt that Gagar Mousasi belongs in that conversation. This is a guy that's won six titles. Six titles. Not that oh, he defended his title. He has won six titles. This is a guy that will someday be mentioned with the very best that it ever put on a pair of MMA gloves. Enjoy the conversation with Gegard Mousasi. Bellator's 264 main event features one of the all-time greats, a world champion who's captured titles in two different weight classes across four different promotions. He is the two-time reigning Bellator middleweight world champion. I'm talking about none other than the man, the myth, the legend, the dream catcher. Mr. Gegard Musasi and we welcome you Gegard. how are you doing? I'm good my friend. Thanks
2: for having me. It's Love been great man. On.
1: It's been years you you've made you've basically made it full circle. I mean you were you fought in every major promotion, you've been successful in all of all the major promotions and uh you know you basically you won you won a light heavyweight title on Strike Force with Showtime and then now you are back here On Showtime for Bellator and the middleweight champion here. I mean, you've got 36 fights, and what you've been doing this? You've been doing this for? Sorry, sorry, 56 fights. You're 36 years old. Just cut 20 fights off of his damn career. I know, I know, 56 (laughs) fights. You've been doing it for 18 years. You're 36 years old. I mean, we've got to start asking Gegard. Like, what else are you doing this
2: for? Money. I'm not gonna lie. Ah, I love it. (laughs) honesty i love that you tell them well it's just, it's, i do love the sport you know sometimes you hate it but uh i don't think i would have been successful if i didn't like it so and uh, there's nothing much else i can do it's just fighting what else am i gonna do i'm gonna be a scientist i mean it's just fighting <laughs> that's what i've done when i was a kid so uh, this is what i do best and uh, make a good living so it's, it's everything, you know? You're a damn prize fighter. Of course you want the money. <laughs> Look, all right,
0: just like Josh was saying, 18 years you've been fighting. over. This would be your 57th professional fight. You've collected a lot of belts, a lot of hardware. dream champion, strike force champion, Bellator champion, all of those things. I have to start by asking you about your childhood. You spent your early years being in Tehran, Iran. Then you moved to the Netherlands. What was it like? for you and your family in making that move?
2: Well, I think it was difficult, especially for my parents. You know, uh, I was young, but uh, from what my mother tells me, six months was difficult. People think when you go to another country, you're, you know, you're so happy to, uh, to go. But uh, um, but we, adjusted, uh, we were in a refugee camp for uh, one and a half years, so that wasn't a, a lot of fun. Uh, But, uh, yeah, at, at the end, I'm very happy and fortunate to live here. Well, you
1: said that you you were in a, refu- a refugee camp for about a year and a half. I mean, does that make it easier for you to, to become an athlete and put things in perspective of, like, look, all I need to do is just focus on myself, focus on training hard and knowing realizing that I've been through – The worst times and that everything else is just fun from now on like the the amount of money you're making the training the people that you're surrounded by like all of those things do you have a different outlook on life because of that
2: well no when i when i came when we came i was eight years old uh and then uh growing up you know it was difficult it was difficult to get girls and you didn't i didn't have any money so Somehow I felt like, okay, with fighting, I will get things done, you know. And uh, it's it's also, uh, you know, sometimes you, as a child, you have the desire to, I, I never wanted to work. So I thought I'm, I'm going to be a fighter. Uh, I just, uh, you have something inside that you don't want to be just like uh, everybody else. So it's just something you have in it. It's, I didn't want it or it just was there that, And made me want to be a fighter so I could have a good life for myself, my parents, for everybody around me.
0: Let's talk about the longevity of your career because I know you're proud of that and you should be because it's not something everyone can do. I usually say that, you know, people have, if you have 10 years in this sport, you're doing something right and you have almost doubled that. Talk about fighting at such a high level for as long as you've been doing it and with as being as successful as you have been
2: well i think i don't take a lot of damage in my uh fights Uh, i don't usually get punched a lot Uh, also in training i'm careful still i there's injuries uh just being smart about it you know Uh, i think i sometimes i fucked up in fight because i was just not feeling it but i felt (laughs) like uh, yeah I messed up a couple of times. And uh sometimes Which one the, uh, which experience. one do you
0: think you messed up the most?
2: I think uh Lavato fights. Uh second time I fought Jacare. King Mo, I just I was I just didn't have the skills to beat him. Uh, back then I was uh, I wasn't really training wrestling. I was just, you know uh that was skills. Uh but um Sometimes I lost because I was unexperienced, but, you know, with Lavato uh, I, I fucked up bad, you know.
1: <laughs> well, you said, like, yeah. you know, you all these fights, 56 fights, you don't, you don't, like to get hit or people don't like to get hit fighters and myself included when I fought for 20 years, it's like, look, we've kept our good looks. John can't speak for that oh, because he doesn't know what dang, it's like, but you, you, and I, Gagard, you and I gay guard, you and I gay guard, we've kept our good looks after all look. of these fights. Very impressive stuff. But I want to go back to what yeah. you were talking about with, with, um, you know, the fights with Lovato jr. The, the fight you have with Lovato jr. And there's times where f- for fighters like yourself with 56 fights, in 18 years in the game, 36 years old, when we're talking about that, there's times that you just show up to the venue and you don't feel it, you know? And then how do you yeah. get yourself through it and still get the win? Majority of the time, you've gotten the wins in those type of scenarios and situations. Like, what yeah. goes through your mind when you show up to the venue and you're just not feeling it?
2: Well, uh, I trained for I, I wanted to beat him badly. It wasn't that I didn't train for it. Uh, I trained way too long for it, and uh, maybe that overdid it also. He just beat me in the fifth round. It was going evenly. Uh, I think mentally, uh, I wasn't there. Uh, uh, He got takedown so easily first round, and I just lay down the whole round. I just I should have just fought him, you know. Sometimes I just don't fight. I just come. I just wanna. I don't wanna get tired. I just wanna have an easy (laughs) night and go home. uh, (laughs) I don't think the promoters are waiting for that.
0: That's a great plan, though. uh, Love the plan. I'm just gonna go. I don't want to get tired. I don't want to get hurt. I just want to get paid. That's a great plan for fighting. I love that.
2: Yeah, uh, (laughs) I got so uh, this fight. I uh, I'm gonna go in there and uh, just go on. You know, just go for the finish. And uh, I know I, you know, every fight is like "Ah, I did this, this, but this fight, or I finish him, or he will finish me because. I think the pace is going to be very high.
0: Well, let's talk about your your opponent, John Salter. He has got he only has one loss in his entire time in Bellator. You only have one loss. It's to the same guy in Lovato Jr. But what John Salter does is very similar to what Lovato did as far as he's got a great jiu-jitsu game, but he's got a better wrestling game than Lovato Jr. How are you going to deal with that?
2: Yeah, I think he's very confident in his skills, especially um, against me. He feels like, okay, he can wrestle, he can uh, do jiu-jitsu. And that, he feels like that's my weak point. But I know for a fact that he's going to be surprised. And I think this weight, the strength difference is going to be very... We uh, will see the strength difference. Because I got surprises for him and he will know in this fight, you know.
1: Yeah, his – I was talking – when we talked with him earlier, we said I, – I said to him, I go, he had success against Lovato Jr. in taking him down or stopping the takedowns and staying away from the grappling, whereas you, he, Lovato Jr. had success against you taking you down and controlling the top position. And like John was saying, that's kind yeah. of a similar style. Knowing that his wrestling is so good, knowing that he's got good jiu-jitsu but people overlook how good your jiu-jitsu is. You know, just not let's not forget when you fought um uh the former champion in Cavallo, uh, Rafael Cavallo, was it? We fought uh Rafael Cavallo, right? When you dominated Cavallo. that top Cavalo, you dominated Rafael that Cavallo. top position. Yeah, when you dominated Rafael Cavallo, you got the takedown, just dominated the whole position, you know, from there. People underestimate your jiu-jitsu as well.
2: Well, you know, I think I think uh, fighting Chris Weidman, if I come to fight, it doesn't matter if they take me down because I'm coming to fight. But there's fights where when they take me down, I'm like, okay, I'm going to just lay down here. You know, they don't do any damage. And similar to John Salter, he's going to have a fight. There's no laying down on the ground waiting for, you know, so he's gonna uh, he's gonna get the same treatment. Yeah, as I the like
0: White. that. I like that.
2: Even worse, because uh, I think uh, White Man is a better fighter than him. So it just it just how I go into the fight, and like I said, I think he will be surprised, and he he's gonna bring the fight. So that's good about it because he wants to take me down constantly, and I I will have to work constantly. Uh, so, it's going to make a good fight because um, if he if takes me down, I'm just going to work my ass off to get up right away. There's no waiting.
0: You had a teammate that fought John Salter in Costello Van Stinas. Did you guys yeah. talk about what Costello felt? Did you, did you go back and watch that fight and see where Salter was strong and where he had problems?
2: Well, I think uh, Costello was way too aggressive uh, and then... John Salda just controlled him a lot. He didn't do any damage on the ground, just holding. And um, so, yeah, we talked about the fight, but, you know, he, he's not going to hold me down. And uh, believe me, he's not going to take me down. Maybe once. Maybe once. Once. and I will, Maybe All one right. time. I give him that. And then he's going to get tired.
1: So he's – so he has talked about um, – his wrestling is going to kind of be the key. He's going to kind of come in and do what he normally does. I think in his last 18 fights, he's only had one that's gone the distance. Uh, does that mean that, that he's Costello. going to look to, and that was against Costello Vastinas. And now, is, are you looking for him to kind of fight you the same way he fought your teammate and, and Costello Vastinas?
2: Yeah, he's not going to change very differently. Uh, he, he will push you against the cage and then he will shoot uh, and uh, hold you. And then uh, I'm not impressed with his uh, ground and pound, not, uh, not as a stand-up. He's a good wrestler. He's a south so that makes things a little bit more difficult. But like I said, I'm coming to fight him. And if he shoots and if I take uh, top control, I, I, I'm, I feel like I can really hurt him. Gegard, you,
0: you know, you, uh, like I said, you fought for a lot of different promotions and you've always gone to where they're going to pay you. And I love that about you. Me and Josh talk about fighters being smart and going after the money because you only have so many years in this. But you kind of come in full time with Showtime because Showtime used to put on Strike Force and you had some epic fights in Strike Force. And now you're back on Showtime with Bellator. Does that have any kind of sentimental feelings towards you?
2: I didn't know this fight will be on Showtime, but uh, <laughs> for me, it's just a fight, you know? And I, this fight, I really want to do get a finish. Because those last two fights were decisions, and I'm not happy about that. So I think it's a little bit more motivated to go full out, you know. No, like I said, or or he will finish me, or I will finish him. But it's not gonna. No be, judges needed. I'm not gonna try to score points and uh, run away. That's good to me. Like <laughs>
1: how much? How much of an influence was it for you to reunite with uh, Scott Coker, knowing that you worked, you would already fought for him in strike force and then. Now you're here in Bellator. Scott's the CEO here. Scott Coker is. And was that a deciding one of the deciding factors on you leaving the UFC and coming to Bellator?
2: Yeah, 100%. I have a great relationship with Scott. He always uh, treated me well. And uh, he paid me what I felt like I deserved. So uh, I'm thankful, you know. And uh, so also for him, I have to beat this guy up really good. So... <laughs> Because they're paying me uh, pretty well. So uh, I shouldn't be, uh, I, I, I'm going to put it all on the line this time.
0: You know, one of, one of the things I know you you talked to Scott Coker about is you, you actually agreed that you would go up to light heavyweight again where you fought at, you know, light heavyweight in the force And you're talking about going back up because Scott kind of asked you because he'd like to see maybe you going against someone like Nemkov or the winner of the light heavyweight Grand Prix. Is that something that you have in the back of your mind?
2: Yeah, uh, you know, uh, gaining weight. Uh, you know, I, I fought last year one time. This year, this is in nine, nine months later, I'm, I'm, I'm having my second fight. So this year, I also fought maybe once. So going to light, David, is not the smartest choice because I need weight. I need. Uh, you saw Machida versus uh, Ryan Bader, right? Yeah. yeah. There's, the weight difference is just too big. There's you're not gonna put that much weight in uh two months, you know. Yeah. But uh whoever the champion is, I'm gonna fight. But let's first beat John Salter and then we go off on that. I Agree. Now he
1: just he just brought up you going up in weight, but there's a new champ now at one seventy and you fought two of the former champions, uh Douglas Lima and then also um, <laughs> Roy McDonald. And, yeah, and you had yeah. and you had dominant performances against both of them. Um but now there's a new champion Yaroslav Amosov who's undefeated, has the best record in MMA. Is there a potential matchup between you and him because you no. you have talked about possibly maybe even going down cuz you're not a big you're not a big middleweight either.
2: Well, well, I'm not going to make 170. I thought uh, I thought about, I could, but I would die. I would just have to cut one of my nuts. <laughs> oh, hold it, hold it. We, we heard those are he- that whole thing was burnt right here. You know, <laughs> <laughs> my nuts are very heavy. But no, uh, no, no more 170 guys. You know, I mean. If I fight 170 guys, you don't get. You know, it's not okay, the- somebody you. did. I got to ask stuff. you. A question. Have you John. ever heard
0: of a guy named Burt Kreicher? Oh jeez, yes, please. <laughs> Bert Kreicher. <laughs> he's a comedian. He was talking about you on the Joe Rogan oh. podcast. Oh gosh, it's hysterical. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I,
2: you know what? You know what that uh, podcast delivered me. What? I got a picture of a naked guy showing me. His ass. Oh, jeez. Hey, hey, oh, so,
1: I thought you were going
2: to say,
1: I thought you were going to say you got like a Condom Depot sponsor or
2: something. Uh, there you go. <laughs> so, no, no. There, uh, no girls uh, messaged me after that podcast, but the one gay guy <laughs> said, Perfect. Uh, me a naked uh,
1: At least you don't you know let him loves know, you. baby. <laughs> Tell him hey, thanks for coming. Thanks for coming to my to my DMs with the big dick energy, buddy. I appreciate it. And
2: I don't know why, but the guy had a big, huge ass. <laughs> it was so disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> uh it's fucking great know, yeah.
1: yeah that's if you guys haven't heard that story man that's one of the funniest stories on the Rogan yeah. show you said Bert are talking about and then even uh, Brendan had brought it up too going yeah man I heard the story about Gegard in the sauna and I heard it's just big dick energy because he walks around with the big dick energy kind of humble keeps you know keeps to himself very yeah. soft-spoken he's just got a big old sweet just a big old swinging dick just fucking just <laughs> that's great yeah. I love it I fucking love it It's, it's so funny. I was actually telling John about the story um, before you came on. I was like, you know, you and I had, had fought on uh, a couple of the strike force shows before, but I didn't, I had seen you fight. I didn't really know you. But then after I beat uh, Gilbert Melendez, the first time you had reached out to me and asked me about my conditioning and cardio routine. And then ever since then, you and I have kind of been, you know, friends ever since then. I mean, realistically, so, you know, um, you tend to fight at a pace, though, that kind of gets people to fight into their pace, like like you did with the Lima fight. You were touching him, you were winning the rounds. You know they were close, but you were winning the rounds. He was he wasn't active, but a lot of people respect your tech. They respect your technique, they respect your skills, and you kind of get them to fight at your pace. When you fought, go ahead.
2: Well, oh, I'm sorry. When I'm you sorry, fought yeah.
1: Rafael Lovato Jr., we fought Rafael Lovato Jr. He was the one that was the aggressor, and I feel like. If you look at Salter and what he, the way he fights, he's going to try to fight you the same way that Rafael Lovato Jr fought you because the pressure, the takedowns, the consistent movement, you tend to slow people down, he tends to try to push people to break. How do you combat that though against yeah. someone like him?
2: For this fight the way I want to fight, I think that's perfect because uh I'm not going to f- I'm going to fight him in his own pace. So I'm not worried about my conditioning. My condition is never greater, and uh, so strength-wise and conditioning, I feel better than ever. And uh, so I'm looking forward to fight at his pace, uh, and then against Douglas Lima. Well, first round I took him down. I think I kinda of earned his respect with the ground and pound because I did hit him hard, but you know the guy didn't cut or anything. He just, his face expression didn't change but I knew I got, I, I got his respect in the first one and then round two, three, four, five, he didn't do anything and I was like okay this is going easy and then round 5 he wanted to push the pace and then I, so I thought okay I take him down and win the round you know but with this guy he's, he's gonna put the pace so I actually uh, like that.
1: So Let's... a little bit off topic John go ahead. Uh, a little bit off topic. I was going to talk to you about. Is that he, John brought up the fact that there's, you want to fight the, the probably fight the champion at two hundred five. Whoever wins the World Grand Prix tournament, and whoever the champion is at that time, whether it's Anthony Rumble or Nemkov or you know Corey Anderson, Corey Anderson or, Bader, Anderson or Ryan. one of those, yeah, Ryan Bader. So any of those, any of those four, whoever wins that term, you're going to potentially go up to fight to fight for that title. Um, does that kind of mean that you would be done at the middleweight division and let your teammate? Uh, Costello-Vancinas kind of finally slide up into that potential shot in the title?
2: Well, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a middleweight, you know? That means no. That means no. I'm not letting that him slide no. anywhere. <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm not a light heavyweight. Uh, yeah. there's, there's just giving advantage over advantage over advantage, simply because they're bigger, they're wrestlers, uh, they have the size advantage, So, I would make my life a lot more difficult. I'm a middleweight. I would like to prefer to stay at middleweight. But the lightweight, the winner, I'm going to fight anyway. So, uh, that one, I'm going to go 100% uh, for it. Gegard, if you were able
0: to to just send one message off to John Salter, if you would, what would you say to him before the fight? Well,
2: I I, I would say to him, uh, listen, may the best man win. uh, But, uh I'm going to say I'm coming to fight, and uh, it's a different attitude, so I think he will, he will get the best out of me. He will get the best Musashi.
0: I love that attitude. I, I'm being yeah. honest. When you won your light heavyweight title in strike Force, I did that fight. It was against Babalu. Yeah. Your heart rate didn't get above 70. I was like, is this guy going to fall asleep in here? Because you, I mean, you were touching him up, but you weren't working hard. (laughs) It was like, I've never seen a guy so calm in my life in the middle of a fight. It was like, I was almost the point, I think he's sleepwalking through this. But yeah, amazing to watch.
1: John just brought that up. And I want to ask you, you kind of came up during that time because you were over in Pride as well when Fedor was coming up. And you guys kind of had same demeanors, you know, in that, in the in in like basically just the way you guys carry yourselves you guys there's not a lot of uh expression there's not a lot of enthusiasm when you guys have dominant performances what what is that what what, why can you tell me like i was like that before i met fedor i
2: think some people think i was like that even with my boxing matches when i was amateur i never celebrated because there's I, i wouldn't feel a lot of emotions But uh, nowadays, uh, you know, I get more excited after doing because uh, the the stage is a little bit higher, maybe. I'm older, uh, I'm more vocal or something. But, you know, I never felt like celebrating once your opponent is knocked out or is injured or he just lost. It's just, uh, it's no class to celebrate like crazy. In the, uh, in the locker room, I celebrate. But that's just my opinion. There's nothing wrong with celebrating. Yeah. But, uh, but uh, nowadays, I celebrate more. In the, uh, games.
0: <laughs> when you look back on your career, you are one of the most decorated fighters there has been in MMA. You have got, like I said, belts out of Dream, out of Strike Force, out of Bellator. I think Cage Warriors are too hot to handle. It was you know, a promotion Holland when you first came up all of these different titles and sometimes multiple winning the Bellator title twice, what does it all mean to you?
2: Uh, it means that I was able to have a life where my family lives with me. I can take care of my family. Uh, I can take care of my uh, some friends that, that need help. Uh, so this this... This means a little bit more of a freedom, let's say. Uh, it gave me a lot. Uh, the fighting. fighting uh, it, it took a lot from my health, injuries, uh, sacrifices, but uh, still better than a nine-to-five job. But anyway, <laughs> it, it gave me a lot. It gave me the life that you know that I can be proud to be uh, to be able to help out family and friends, you know?
1: I couldn't oh. agree with you more. Nine to five sucks. Yeah. Fucking blows. <laughs> Gegard, so we, we want to thank you
0: for your time. <laughs> Thanks for coming on with us. Thanks for uh, all of the, you've done thank for the you. sport of MMA, and we cannot wait to watch you against John Salter. Uh, you have been unbelievable as an athlete in MMA, and the best of luck to you. Well, It seems to me, Josh, that Gegard is a little motivated. He wants to finish this fight. So that's the kind of Gegard that I think both of us want to see.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think think that he is extremely motivated for this fight. What he talked about the most, though, John, that makes me feel like he's more motivated is money. (laughs) (laughs) What he said was, Bellator's paying me really well. You know, there's a lot of talk of him, you know, going up to 205 if he gets this win. You know, against Salter and potentially fighting the winner of the the light heavyweight World Grand Prix. So if that's the case, I'm excited to see where this all goes. He must be getting paid a shit ton of money if he's going to be going up to 205 to face one of those killers. Well, he, so he, it should he be was a,
0: saying, he goes, it should be fun. It's a lot to go up and wait. He goes, eh, it's not yeah. really good. That's not a good idea.
1: <laughs> but like, he will, though. I yeah, think he will. Yeah, because he's fought yeah. there before. Let's not forget he fought a heavyweight. I believe he he's got Mark a win Hunt. over Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt. Mark Hunt. Some, submission right yep 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 so yeah he's 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 been he's been there before he's done it before and uh you know he's getting a little bit older so that makes it a little bit harder to do yes it does. but if you're gonna go if you're gonna do if you're gonna do anything go up instead of going down at your at your at that age of 36 that's it. speed you know speed it's funny when we asked him about cutting the weight he said yeah i thought about it for about a minute he's like, <laughs> and then i realized nah I'm good doing i'm not that. going to savvy i'll never make it doing that but overall, look, the, the one thing people need to to learn to take away from these conversations that we've had with John Salter and with Gegard, is both of them are extremely good on the ground. And I'm going to give a little bit of the favor to John Salter. The wrestling, I'm going to give it to John Salter. But the ability to do things from his back, Gegard is just as good off of his back, you know, as John Salter probably is as good as on top. So they kind of will equal each other out if Gegard gets taken out if he's motivated and performs that night like we've seen him do in the past. Okay, if he gets back to his feet, this thing favors Gegard all the way. Absolutely on the feet, there's it's not even close. You're talking high level Dutch style kickboxing, just someone who's patient stalks after you doesn't doesn't overcommit on things to make it easy for you to take him down. He's a stud when it comes to the feet, and he's nasty and also as well as when he is on top. He's got some nasty ground and pound. I want to say it was Bobaloo that he just smashed from the top position. Oh. Am I right? Yeah, that was an yeah. He smashed Bobaloo from the top position when it was when they were fought in strike force. He's good on top. So, and the, ask Rafael Caval when he got to the top position, he just dominated him, got to his back, flattened him out, and just destroyed him from there as well. Dominant position as well. So it's gonna. I think it's gonna really come down to whether Salter can get it on the ground. Yep, and Gegard's got to be able to keep it on the feet. It, Gagar doesn't have to keep it on the feet. He's just got to be on top. And if he's on top, I think it's going to be a, an easier night for him as well. So yeah, he's got more options in the way of winning this fight than John Salter yeah, does. Yeah,
0: but can't count. you cannot count Salter out because look at what he's nope. done throughout his career. The guy catches yeah, people not. and he finishes people, and that's why I enjoy watching him.
1: All right, guys. Well, hey, go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code WAYNEIN, okay? And they will give you a little extra spending cash if you guys use our promo code WAYNEIN, okay? It's only good for the first-time uh, users. So when you first get in, make sure you put in the most amount of money you possibly can, and they will bonus you up as soon as you use our promo code WAYNEIN. So go ahead and do that. Um, but if you guys have already been there and you guys use our promo code WAYNEIN, I don't think it does anything for you. Only for you first-time users. So make sure you guys use us, go back in and then also hit up all the uh, the odds that you got coming up. There's other fights to be bet on right now. You got Kevin Goslin versus Canonier. You've got uh, Brandon Royval versus uh, Pantoja. That should be a good fight. You know, you've got other fights as well in there to, to to go ahead and play some bets on. So go ahead and check it out at mybookie.ag. Use the promo code in. Dave, what else you got for us, bud? So we're going to get to... Next! <laughs> Next!
4: Two, two news items. Um, And so these were just kind of... On the lower end, as far as like you know, um, big news topics, but just more so to do with stuff we've already covered, and then you know, um, just kind of sensitive subjects in the sport. Uh, first one being Carolina coming out. Uh, I don't want to try and say her last name, but she came out with a video she posted on Twitter or and IG. <clears throat> she was crying in the video, um, and she said that she needs to maybe find a new passion in life, um, and that uh, you know, it hurts with all with, with the losses.
1: Um, how old is she? Do we know? Eh, Do we worry. not know? Find out, uh, Carolina I people, anyways,
4: Come on, you can say that yeah. name,
1: Dave. N- Kovalkевич. Yeah, I'm not.
4: Kidding. Didn't even have to type it. I Carolina Kovalkевич. Okay, go
1: ju- I'm gonna come across as a little bit maybe just uh, like kind of rude, maybe you know. Um, I, I'm upset for her. I, I feel sad for her. I, I feel upset for her. Like I understand where she's coming from, um, but coming off of five losses in a row. What it is is her confidence. Now she has two options to take. Yeah, her confidence is completely gone. Obviously, she's posting stuff like this on social media. Her confidence yeah. is shot, completely gone. Yep. There she has two options. She can go down to a lower promotion, okay, LFA or you know, a smaller show, whatever it is, get a couple wins, build her confidence back up, work on some new things, depending on how old is she is. She's 35. Okay, I take that back. All right. I mean, like she can, she can still do that because though I feel like women can fight at a little bit older age, right, as of now. And so she can do that, build her confidence, come back in and get and then see if she can get back in there and get a couple wins. Trying to reinvent herself in the smaller promotions. Or she can do what a lot of athletes at this age have to do. Is really come to the conclusion that it's time to hang it up. You know at 35, 36, 37, you know, it's time. And whether it's it's because your confidence is shot or your skill level is just not matching up to what it should be, the the thing is is I can't I, I understand where she's coming from. I just, it's hard for me to, to feel sorry, John, only because I know that at some time it's sometime it's going to come for all of us. And it came for me. It's going to come for every athlete that's ever done it. And every athlete, though, has been in this situation, okay? That they, they, they've been losing and they don't know what to do. I mean, this is why, this, and just this is another thing, it's a little uh, uh, shameless plug, though, for MVP, merging vets and players. They talk to athletes. And the reason being is because they're going through things like this where they don't know what to do. They don't know what, what, whole, what life holds for them after fighting or after football or after the Olympics. They don't know. And so she, I, I can feel her pain and understand what she's going through because I was questioning myself during those times as well. The difference, though, was that I made a lot more money probably than she's making right now. And so I don't know what her fallback fall plan is. But every athlete is going to go through this scenario whereas with her she probably hasn't made a ton of money to go ahead and live out a different type of life after she's done fighting. So that's the shitty part about it all, but every athlete goes through this. Every athlete's going to go through this especially as you get into those upper those upper years.
0: Yeah, I mean it, this is where you know father time is undefeated. And it's it can be little things that are the difference, but I do I truly believe in especially watching the video. It's her confidence is gone. And when you have no confidence, it's you. You prepare for the fight, but you're hoping to make things happen. You're hoping that things go your way. That's not the way to go into a fight. You're not. You're not there to hope. You're there to make it happen. You're there to to, to in, just enforce your will upon your opponent and make it. And that's what she was able to do. You got to figure she was ten and zero. You know, and she. I'm, when I'm saying she was ten and zero, she was ten and zero against fighters like Rose Namajunas. She had a win against Rose. She had Heather Clark. She had, um, got random Marcos. There was a bunch that were in there in the beginning. Then she got the championship fight and she lost to Joanna. And then she, mm-hmm. she uh, came back and had another loss to Claudia, but then got a couple of wins. And then from that point, it just has not, you know, been there for her. And uh, she's taken a lot of, you know, hard losses here. And she just doesn't know how to get that train back on the track right now. So, yeah. You know, if she, it is exactly like you're saying, sometimes it's good to say, I'm going to step away and, you know, UFC, please give me my release so I can go and I can get some fights in a different promotion where I don't have the pressure of fighting in the UFC. I don't have the same atmosphere and I can just concentrate on my opponent and get myself back. And then I would love to come back and see if they'll give you that release and you can get a cut, you know, get three fights in a row in a year's time, then come back you have three wins your confidence is back and that that's your time to see what you know if you can still compete you know with the, the best that uh, the UFC has but i i feel i feel for but this comes for everybody
1: it's just yeah, a matter of I, how you look, deal with it we talked about this before she fought Jessica Penne she lost to Jessica Andrade Michelle Watterson, Alexa Grasso, yeah, oh, Jan. Yeah. I thought I'm going to ruin Jan's first name. And then <laughs> Jessica Penne. But by the time she got to Jan and Jessica Penne, she lost to the top, like, some of the top three girls. She shouldn't have been down about it. But the thing is, she realized she was questioning everything that she was doing in her head, what she was doing in the gym. And it's just translating in the cage. And she's just not confident in doing what she's been doing that got her there. Yeah. And so now it, she's completely shot. When you start posting stuff like this, on social media it means that you're you're broken inside not yes. just as an athlete but as a person as well because you love doing this so much you know but this happens to everyone in terms of not and not maybe not all at 35 but it happens to everyone that at some point they have to really sit down and have a conversation with themselves do I still have it should I try and fight in a smaller promotion do I want to do I feel like I'm better than that and I shouldn't have to but you're going to have to figure it out yourself. That's one of those. It's one of those tough love situations. I feel for her. I understand where she's coming from, um, but I wish her the best, man. But I, I feel like at 35, because women can fight longer, she should go, like you said, do three fights in a year in a smaller promotion, whether it's the LFA or another promotion or Invicta. Go there. Get some wins. Get three wins. Come back. Confidence will be better. I'm not saying it's going to be good enough to beat the top girls, but it'll be good enough to put her back into the conversation, I think. Yep. I agree. Okay. Good luck to her. Dave, us. what else?
4: All right, last piece of news. Um, so Juliana Pena is calling for an interim women's bantamweight title. Uh, well, um, Amanda Nunes is out, and uh, obviously Amanda's holding both titles. Did you guys watch? Um, did you guys see the presser last week for two, two uh sixty five?
2: The
1: presser?
0: Um, no, no, yeah. yeah I, so, what, are you talking when Juliana came up to the mic? Yeah,
4: <laughs> yeah, and she demanded a fight with Amanda from Dana, and yeah. you know, Dana's laughing. Dana's laughing, (sighs) of course. Um, But, yeah, just, you know, after this weekend, interim fight, you know, John had some choice words for the whole interim belt situation with Ngannou um, having just won the heavyweight title. Um, So this is an interesting comment from Juliana Pena. Uh,
0: Go, Josh. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because I I kind of went off on it. Go ahead.
1: I like Juliana Pena. um, and And I see what I look. I'm glad you're you're sticking to your guns. You're really trying to make this push. I understand. I get it. This is your chance of the shot. You're getting the title, doing all these things. I understand that. Bottom line is is you're. It's not like you're. It's not like this female is ducking you. <laughs> like yeah, she is. Amanda exactly. Nunes is, is not ducking you. She's she's got other outside things going on. They all got COVID. You're gonna have to wait in line. Yeah, she had okay? a family thing with get COVID. Fr-
0: her entire family did. Yeah. Not only her, her family yeah. with her little little girl.
1: Yeah, and so. I don't want to say it's not classless. I understand why she's doing it. She wants to try to make sure that she's guaranteed an interim title fight so she can say she had a strap and to get the win and all those things if she's able to even get the win against whoever they have her face for the interim title. But Amanda Nunes is not the person. That is avoiding anybody. She's not having contract problems. She legit will fight anybody anytime, no questions asked. So, in this situation with Dana, it's a smart play. Like, no, absolutely not. We're not doing an interim title. There's no reason to have a conversation. The Engano thing is a completely different situation. He wants to get paid more money. He's the heavyweight champ. That's something that you're just going to have to deal with. And Dana knew this is going to take a long time, probably after talking to his agent, like, and figuring out, like, look, we're not even close to shortening that gap. So, we're just going to have an interim title done. Like, that's the thing. People just look at it like, oh, Dana's being cheap. Dana knows to do an interim title because he knows that they're not even close to getting the deal done. Like, Nganou probably wants this, and Dana wants this over here that's not even in the picture. You know what I mean? So, when they get to about here is when you'll start seeing Dana bring up Nganou in terms of, okay, we're getting closer. Let's start talking about Engano having a fight. Let's start pumping the media. He's already sticking to Engano a little bit about the whole, oh, you couldn't have written you couldn't have written a better story, uh, yeah. the guy from the WWE, you, you know, uh Vince, Vince McMahon, again. you know that kind of stuff. That's letting Engano know, like, hey, this is your chance, your opportunity to be a star because the the story's been written. That's the, end of the way of trying to get him to fight for the for the less money. And hey, I'll pay you a little bump, but you're only gonna get a little bump. And was like, nah. Because this runs into that same situation, John, that remember when Nate Diaz p- apparently tested positive for performance enhancing drugs. Remember, he's like, no, nah, fuck you. I'm not fighting then. Yeah, that was before, you before guys can... the
0: Mazvedal fight.
1: The yeah, BMF. before the Masvidal. He's like, no, I'm not going to. He's like, oh, we'll take care of it later. No, no, you'll take care of it now. And that's what you have to remember when it comes to contract stuff. Oh, we'll take care of you. Yeah. No, you'll take care of me now. You know, because when it came down to it, we, when I was doing a fight campaign the other day, one of them brought up, I don't know if it was Brian Ortega or if it was TJ. But they said, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll take care of you. Oh, and then that was TJ. Brendan looks over him and Brendan looks at TJ and goes, so they take care of you? He's like, Hell no. no. <laughs> don't." That's the thing. Don't take the whole I'll take care of you situation to heart. Okay? They do that shit to everyone. And it's not just the UFC. Other promotions have done it as well. and We know about them a lot. They say, yeah, I'll do it. I'll take care of you. No especially in the lower-level promotions, man. the the I can't say anything about it. like, but the small-time promotions from back in the day. I'll take care of you. Don't believe that shit. So, Francis is doing the right thing, and uh, Juliana Payne is doing the right thing in her area as well. It's just a matter of whether Dana is going to buckle, which he won't. Not on this. Amanda Nunez is a legit champion. Do you think he's going to put anybody else in that no.
0: position to have a belt in the Bantamweight division with Amanda Nunez there? No. Not going to happen
1: no you
0: yeah. know and, and look at the interim this whole interim title thing the, it's there are times to have it when it when a champion is out with a long you know injury you know Dominick Cruz Dominick Cruz exactly perfect example you know you should you should be able to put out that interim title because yeah. you don't want the the whole division to be on hold for that champion to come back even when it's you know it can end up being over a year that's that's a problem you know, it's a problem for the promotion. It's a problem for all the fighters in that weight class. So that's when an interim title makes sense. You know, what happened with Cyril Ghosn and uh, Derek Lewis? No, that's just a promotion saying, okay, we can't get you at, at what we want you. So we're going to prove to you we don't need you. And we can force you into finally understanding that you're going to fight for what we want to pay you. That's really what it's, it's being used as a leverage point. And that's fine, but you know, smart by the UFC, but not real kind.
1: So Yeah. We'll see what happens with it. Yeah, different situ- situations call for different type of scenarios. And so that's just yep. the thing. Like like I said, the Dominic Cruz situation deserved to have an interim title. The Engano situation didn't deserve to have one. This one does yep. definitely does not deserve to have one. So that's it. That's it. all right, Dave, what else you got?
4: And that's going to wrap it
1: up for news today.
4: All right. Then I got okay. something
1: I got to talk about. Let's go. Here, right. When you've got something separate from everything else, it trouble. means, okay. It's Everyone trouble. get ready for the big John rant. The Here rant. <laughs> I love it. Here it I comes.
0: It. Well, you, you, okay. Do you, you? We talked about the Bobby Green
1: versus. Thank you very much. I don't remember that.
0: Bobby Green fought Rafael Fazeev. And uh, we all agreed yeah. on what that uh, the outcome was. I, I thought Fazeev won the fight. It should have yeah. been 29-28. One of the judges went 30-27. Well, that judge has decided that he wants to take on John Annick and Kenny Florian. And I just want to tell that judge, you're a dipshit, dude. You're a complete dumbass. You are screwing yourself over. Stop what you said when you put out your first tweet that I wasn't going to talk about, but now I'm going to, you were wrong. You aren't even using the criteria the right way. All right. You actually said that in the third round that Bobby Green may have had more volume, but Rafael Fazev had the better strikes overall. Bullshit. You're the only dumb ass that thinks that. So what you need to do is figure out that your humility needs to take some precedence in this. And when everybody, everybody except you says Bobby Green won that round, what will make you a better judge is to go back, watch the fight, because it's not just me saying it, it's everybody. Go back, watch that round, and you'll see that The jabs that Bobby Green was hitting Fezzet with, and the big difference is Rafael was tired, and yes, he was still throwing, but he wasn't landing with the power that he once was. That changes the round. So you sitting there trying to say that, oh, I said that the striking was equal, and so then I went to the next criteria, and that was aggression because there was no grappling, and you would be right there. And then you said that the aggression was equal, equal again you're being wrong it wasn't equal Bobby Green was the aggressor in the third round so he wins the the round based upon that if you were going to go to it and then you actually went and said that was even and so then I went to what would be effective control ringer cage control and that's when you gave it to Rafael Fazeev dude you need to go back to class what will help you become a better judge is you being smart enough that you can go back and be honest and say, I got that wrong because that will help you improve later on. You then went and you took on John Annick and Kenny Florian and told them something about, you know, you all should be ashamed of yourselves for what they said about your score in the third round and you're wrong. They shouldn't be ashamed of themselves because they're right. And then you said, I'm not Adelaide Bird, Dude, you have absolutely overstepped it. Grow up, learn how to be an actual official in this sport, and get the fuck off of Twitter. Thank you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> John, I'm going to touch on what you just said a little bit. Look, when it doesn't matter who you are. It could be a judge or a ref or whatever it is. A- anybody, anybody that if you believe that you were right, Stay off social media. Yeah, you don't need you don't need to justify yourself to anyone. Okay, if you don't believe you're right and you feel like you have to protest other people, then that means that you, in some way, in your mind, you had doubts yourself when you made the card or when you made that that round, you scored that round. Leave it alone. Okay, look, if you want to, if if you want to do something, do something like Keith Peterson did when Dominic Cruz said he smelled like alcohol and cigarettes. Stay do quiet. Nothing. Stay quiet. Move on with yourself because you're going to judge hundreds, maybe even thousands more of rounds, okay? And this fight will be forgotten by then. It's just stay off social media, okay? The lack of professionalism that you just showed, just showed that you're not ready to be put in that chair. That's really what it comes down to. You should have just left it alone. Go back like John said, not just John, but I think everyone was, would agree. When you feel like a round where people were criticizing you for that round, go back and watch it several times, not just one time. Watch it several times and see how how see how you can see it from their eyes. Why would they believe that? Why would fifteen or thirty or hundred people say that this person won, that Bobby Green won over Fazev in the third round when I had it the other way? Break it down. That's your job to get better every single time, so we can stop having these problems and these discussions on every damn MMA platform that there's, that exists. Is just go out there and learn how to do your job a little bit better. I mean, everyone had it the first two rounds, I think, for uh for Faziv. Everybody. Know? And yeah, and then the third round went to Bobby Green. Yep. So just I guess go back and just figure out where, where you went wrong. Look, either way, the fucking fight still went to to Fazeev. So the, it doesn't matter if you had 30, 27 yeah, the, or if you had twenty. The important thing is
0: the right fighter won. Exactly. But when you have an official that attacks another yeah. official, attacks announcers What are you doing, dude? You are going, no one's going to use you. You're lucky if you're in Texas that if they use you, but you know, you, you put out on your stuff about all the thousands of fights you've done. And I hear that crap all the time and you're full of it. All right. But what, what should tell you something is how many times have they used you in world title fights? And there's only a couple Mm -hmm. actual world title fights. So how many of those have you done? Zero kind of telling you something there, brother. Grow up.
1: Yep. All right, guys. Well, hey, we're going to wrap this up. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com slash in. Use the promo code and still pick up one of our shirts. We've got a bunch of new ones going out there. Dave and I were talking earlier today, Podcast Dave, and we're going to start looking to design maybe one or two more. And I'm still waiting for that damn artwork uh, from my buddy from John Wayshank, who's one of the best artists out there. He sent me over a really, really uh, close copy of it all, but he said he still has some shading and stuff to do. So I'm still in this thing, but I'll tell you right now, I'm pumped to it. I'm pumped for it. It looks nice. It looks great. So hopefully we'll have that third shirt as well coming up. So we've got a couple designs that Dave and I are going to try and talk over this week and try and get those up probably in the next probably week or two. But so go to Pro slash in, use the promo code and steal and get 20% off on any of our shirts that are up there. And John, what else?
0: The only thing I have to say is Josh. See you.